Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK technology podcast with him, Ian Morris. And him, Nate Langson. There's basically no news this week. Um, so It's I'd, better than it was last week, I would say. I just thought we can cut this quite easily and just say, well, thanks uh, for listening, everybody. And uh, See you next week. Do you have anything else to say, Ian? Uh, no, thanks for the show. Bye. Lol. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's it very slick, though. Thank you. It has been a very, very poor week news-wise. We picked out a few things that I think will be quite interesting, but we're yeah. we're gonna we're gonna rattle few a few things that um, we've been posting up on at Text Message Pod, which is the Twitter home of the Text Message Hive Mind, which is to say, so we move it to Mastodon for well, who knows? Reason. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we will. We've got a few things to talk about. We're gonna come up. We're gonna talk about toilets. We're gonna talk about six G. We're gonna talk about. BBC's HD regional versions um, that Ian's been writing up because I wanted to know how it worked. Uh, and if you're a patron in our extended version, you're also going to hear about the 10 worst computer mice ever, um, or at least the ones we think are the worst of the worst, uh, sir. But we're going to start by talking about one of my least favourite things that used to be one of my favourite things, scooters. <laughs> uh, the Was it The Guardian? Yes, I think this is The Guardian wrote that Paris is considering banning them uh, there's like 15,000 of them uh, in Paris alone. It's one of the biggest markets for um, for uh, for e-scooters, for rental e-scooters, that is. Um, but people are saying, well, it's annoying to pedestrians and they clog up the streets and people are just basically sick of them. And they've got to renew their license in February. But the mayor is expected to announce a decision uh, in the coming weeks. And it's quite possible that the uh, the rule will be you've had your time enough's enough go away um mm. what i found interesting about this is largely because paris has always been the sort of like the test center and 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 one of the if not the biggest markets for um for scooters it was the, the city had, has always been very pro scooter and a lot of other cities have pointed to france and said uh, sorry countries and cities have pointed to france and paris and said well look this is how it can work in paris um the uk is still in the middle of a trial that's been going on for a couple of years at this point there's a large list of cities that are running e-scooter trials but we're we're doing it in a very very regulated way where you have to get permission as a as a town or a city to even operate them and owning and riding your own is still illegal um and that test is ongoing whereas paris has gone full throttle the other direction and said you know what we let everyone do this for four years but actually now we're sick of them um it's one of the most highly regulated markets uh, the guardian points out it's got it had about 1.2 million riders last year which was a and, and had a 76 percent increase in new users between last summer and the summer just just gone and uh, again according to the guardian the majority of those people are parisians or at least people who uh, live in in paris not necessarily ones who are born there is that a parisian do you have to be born there to be a 
No, I don't think so. You don't no. have to be uh, born in London to be a Londoner, and you don't have to be born in New York to be a New Yorker. It's Fair. because those cities are so reliant on people coming there. I feel like you can become a resident of a city without ever being born there. I've completely changed my tune on scooters to the point that I even sold my very expensive oh, really? one the other day for several hundred pounds, which I was quite mm. pleased about because it cost me about 1,500 quid when I bought it um, about two years ago and used it for quite a while and managed to flog it for about 400 pounds because it was still in very good condition. So I got a nice little uh, return on that. But I just got so fed up of them and I'm fed up of seeing police ignore children riding them to abreast. I see it every day I'm in London. I, I see it on my road here uh in Hertfordshire where I live um and I um, yes I I um I've gone from loving them and almost advocating for them to um really quite detesting them well I I understand that um because what you've said is is uh is true they are abused quite badly however I what I will say is as a driver um and someone obviously who who loves cars just as a sort of hobby kind of thing I am really getting annoyed by the constant whinging about car alternatives. Go you know, on. if people want to ride around on an electric scooter, an electric bike, or an electric skateboard in a city, I say, let them do it. Let them have at it. Bend over backwards to make it possible for them to do that. Because if you're going to go wanging on all the time about how cars are the worst and how dangerous cars are then the least you can do is offer people a practical alternative to the car. Now, you know, there was a big fuss in the press this week because they're expanding the ULEZ zone in London again, which is the low emissions zone in London. Uh, That currently exists in the centre of London, but it's being expanded out to all of Greater London. So basically, if you vote for the mayor uh, and have the option to vote for the mayor, you will be covered by the new expanded ULEZ zone. So... People are quite rightly saying, "Well, this isn't this isn't really fair, is it?" Like, you know, what happens to all these cars and vans that we, you know, are going to have to get rid of? Well, I mean, the real, real reality is that most cars and vans are exempt anyway. But again, why can't we have better solutions in cities? You know, what is it with everyone and the constant whinging about? Oh, they're dangerous. Yeah, sure. You know, accidents are going to happen. This is a reality of the world. You know, I see people complaining about how deadly cars are and I can't do anything but agree with them because if you get hit by a car, you're going to suffer the consequences of it. It's bad. So then why aren't we doing more? Why aren't we making it more possible for people to e-scooter around? Why aren't we encouraging that behaviour? You know, I just don't get it. And I, I sort of understand that they can be abused and they can be dangerous. Well, surely there's a way around that with legislation of some kind. And why can't we, you know, actually do get the police doing something about it you know i i just i'm sick of it frankly and i think if we want a greener world electric scooters seem like a really good way of getting it i think part of the reason why they're not sometimes seen as as good an alternative as a bicycle is that with a bicycle you're also getting exercise and i feel it's probably sure, only fair but for not me everyone to- wants to have exercise like i i understand and, and yeah sure you should be getting exercise that's a really good thing but an e-scooter, for one thing, is a lot more convenient than a bike. Um, you know, it's it's smaller, it's electric, so you don't arrive at work a sweaty mess, which is something that would affect me quite badly. Um, you know, it, it's just an alternative. I get what you're saying. You know, yes, bikes, fine. But again, people whinge about bikes as well. And I, I think we just need to sort of start telling people to shut up and accept the fact that 
we're going to need to do something if we want a, a clean air mm. in our city. Well, David Belliard, uh, whose name I've butchered, my apologies, in uh, Paris, he's the Green Deputy Mayor who was quoted in this Guardian story, which we'll link to incidentally, of course, uh, at uh, UKTechShow.com. He said that bans, a ban is one of the options on the table. He says, we still have three major areas of concern. First is safety for scooter users and others, such as pedestrians. The second is clogging up of city streets, uh, despite having dedicated sp- parking spaces for, for scooters. Um, and um, and the other thing is, um, I think I think his other point, it wasn't quite a quote here, but it was more about, like, is it actually environmentally better to have a scooter when you're driving vans around to recharge them? But um, Well, you're driving one van around to recharge 20 so i would say yes and why can't the van be electric i mean who knows i can't i don't know much about this particular market so i can't really it's a very weird double standard actually in france because i'm reading here that just under a million of them were bought for personal use in in paris which is actually very very interesting but you can't you're not allowed to ride them here at least not on public bikes if you own it you can rent one and ride it on a rental because it's technically covered by insurance but you can't ride one that you yeah, own, which is but strange. I mean, well, it's it's beyond that, isn't it? It's actually stupid because how is anyone supposed to know if it's rented or not? Because it has giant branding down the side. Usually. I mean, really though. I yeah. mean, is that is that how we're going to define things? It's like, well, that I just don't understand it. I don't. It it, it was designed, I think, to fail, and that's the problem. Is if anyone really wanted to make this a success, it would be. It, you know, there would be dedicated... Every single road in London would have a place where you were legally allowed to put an e-scooter when you were finished with it. A little red box on the pavement. Um, maybe with chargers or something. So, you you know, you, pu- you finish your scoot, you plug it in, then there's no more vans going around to recharge them. Obviously, you do still need to move them around the city, so there is always going to be some need for that. Um, but, you know, I think no, no one really wanted this to be a success from the start. I did. And we were, we've been talking about it. Well, no, you accepted. But legislatively, I think that the, the whole thing was like, well, you're not going to be allowed to buy your own. But you can still buy them. It's not like they're illegal to buy. What did they think was going to happen? It, they're, they're on Amazon. People are going to buy them and they're going to use them in the city. It, it, the whole thing was absolutely stupid. Well, I think maybe my about turn on them has just... Now I think about it, I think the moment I stopped liking scooters was the moment I bought um, a, a partially electric bike. And I think... Right. I think... And do you now prefer that? Yes. So I think it might just be... Uh, uh, I think I'm just on a high horse, which is another great form of transport, but very inconvenient in the city. It is very inconvenient. And also, horses were a real problem for pollution in the they city. They were. Which is why cars were welcomed, because they didn't a, yeah. poo everywhere. And you know what? When I was writing about scooters for Bloomberg back in 2018 or so, I, I'm fairly sure I even used that in one article yeah. as an example. Because, yeah, well, there was... Horse waste was a, such a problem that yeah. something had to be done about it. Well, and cars seemed like a good solution. And then look where we are now. Now, I, again, I do love cars, so I'm not going to slag them off too much. But also, I would like to say that my car is ULEGS exempt. Oh. That is ridiculous. Oh, I am glad. I am glad. Your giant Jaguar. Um, yes, with a V8 engine that does 20 miles per gallon. Yeah. Is ULEGS exempt. So people whinging about it, really. I mean, I don't know what, what they're driving. It must be horrendous 
Yeah. Well, if you're driving something horrendous and would like to t- tell us all about it, uh, do send us an email. It goes like this. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Do you want to talk about 6G? Yes, of course I do. I've barely got 5G. Why wouldn't I want to talk about 6G? Well, the rule is that um, the better the next generation becomes, the better and more useful the current generation becomes as a result. That's why 4G is now so good, because 5G is around. Anyway, uh, Ericsson uh, has said it's going to invest tens of millions of pounds to establish a research unit in the UK. I read this on ISP Review. Well, that's nice. Isn't it? And it's going to be used to uh, to research 6G mobile and related technologies. The expectation, this is something I learned a lot about this morning, the expectation is that 6G is going to go further than 5G in that it's going to use spectrum in the terahertz bands terahertz well, if that if 5g terrified the uh, tinfoil hat brigade this is gonna w- really wind them up and i had to look into this but that basically means it's around like somewhere between 100 is it 100 gigahertz gigahertz yeah okay and basically it's between 10. the millimeter and the infrared frequencies like millimeter wave is what we're talking about with the, the very fastest 5g today so somewhere between that and yeah. infrared not like IR communication like you had an old no, palm top in the because 90s. because that was very slow. Mm. Although I did use could, it. I did use it. Well, ev- everyone did because you only had to change, you know, interchange phone numbers and there were only a few bits. Yeah. Um, so, but here are some of the things. There's, there was, I found one of the promises that 6G comes with from the proponents of it at least, uh, quoted yeah. in this ISP review as saying that 6G will merge the digital and physical world contribute to a more intelligent, sustainable, and efficient society, and help deliver new use cases that include multi-sensory, extended reality, precision healthcare, smart agriculture, cobots, and intelligent autonomous system uh, systems. Sorry. Now, is that not word for word what 5G was meant to be? I, I don't know. It sounded like a load of nonsense to me. Also, what is a cobot? I don't know. I was going to ask. A collaborative robot? Is this like the uh, old... Maybe. The robots they give old people? Um, I, I really I really couldn't even guess. Oh, it's here we are. That... I've Googled it in real time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a cobot or it? collaborative robot is a robot intended for direct human-robot interaction. That needs a hyphen. I might just edit this Wikipedia. Hang on. <laughs> Could you do it later? No. Uh, it's very, it's very, it's very easy. Uh, direct human robot publish changes ads (laughs) hyphen i can't let that slide i'm an editor okay all right fair enough everyone this is real-time wikipedia right yeah you can go and check it's uh it's 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 fixed now uh within a shared space or where humans and robots are in close proximity um cobots anyway so that's what 6g is going to enable and it's not going to be around until probably 2030 by which time we'll be on episode 700 or something i i'm not i'm not sure i'm going to make it to 2030 if i'm completely honest with you that's like seven years away i feel like my life is draining away well all of our lives are draining away mate well mostly because i find the world so exhausting right now like it's it's just sucking the very will to live from me anyway that's aside Mm -hmm. um I, this I, I'm sure this could have some exciting implications, but 
how are we expecting these signals to propagate anywhere? I mean, we're talking about you need to have a cell in literally every room that you use. I think we'll in order all to wear make them. use of those. I think they will put cells in our hats. I think, I think everyone, that's the only way they could do it. Yeah, or every cell would be in a phone, and it's just one giant expanding self-propagating six G network of of mobile cells. Just I mean, I wonder if that mesh. is a possibility. You know, so every phone is connected to every other phone, and they send the signal to the nearest sort of fixed connection. I mean, I I don't know whether that's a a, a doable possibility. If every phone in the world was one big LAN. Um, yeah. That would be both terrifying and, you know, a, a possible way of improving network infrastructure. It's it's definitely possible. I mean, it's a mesh uh, network. Yeah, because well, so, yeah, some communications systems, like there is, there is a Bluetooth thing, isn't there, that works. It was proposed, I believe, as a thing that would be useful for sort of festivals. Uh, so if you wanted to sort of have a festival in the middle of nowhere where there was no cell coverage or something, um, you would all of the phones could be connected to each other and you could send messages to your friends. So you'd be able to say, meet at the big hat-shaped tent for uh, tacos and LSD. Um, and um, and that would be a good way of communicating in a sort of closed system. Um, but I don't know if that's a you know really a practical thing. But I mean, I, I, as you well know, uh, as we're approaching you know sort of six gigahertz frequencies for, for uh, Wi-Fi six E, um, those signals don't go well through even thin walls, so <clears throat> it becomes quite problematic. There are definitely products that do do that via Bluetooth. Uh, I just did a quick Google search, and there are plenty mm. of options. And some of these dates go back to about 2015, so it's been a, it's been around for a while. Also, I mean, I also read this week, and this isn't in our running uh, docket here, but I did see that Apple's satellite communication feature for the new iPhone is coming to mm. the UK and Ireland in December. Yes, I mean that's a that's a an exciting thing. I think yeah. you know, in in terms of you know being able to survive a horrible accident somewhere on a mountain. It's an extremely good idea. I think, you know, like the Apple Watch has saved lives, I can see us. it won't be very long before we get a story about that feature saving a life. So, not, no, good on not, them. Not very long at all. I get to use a term now called... Well, I get to quote the user of a Chinese social network whose username is FatBoySnailNoodles. Okay, now, that's very odd message for you. Indeed. Hang on, which bit? Well, the snail bit. But ah. um, are we talking about noodles made out of snails? Oh, because that obviously wouldn't be good, would it? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's <clears throat> given me a sadness. <laughs> well, let's assume that it's not that. Oh, okay. Um, smell <laughs> sensors, Ian. Um, there's a story that came out of China this week. Uh, I have done very little to assert its genuine <laughs> yeah. nature as is the way of these things however it is a good jumping off point for a conversation so take all this with a pinch of salt uh, smell sensors in a shopping mall's public toilets in China warns shoppers which of the available booths are likely home to an unpleasant odour brilliant and there's a screen outside the toilets that says that basically shows you in numerical and pictorial fashion, which toilet may be the least um, unpleasant Appealing. to go oh, into. Yes. Okay. It's in a shopping centre uh, in Sichuan province in China. Potential, this is according, where did this come from? 
Metro. Potential users can check to see which stalls are ready for action and which need to be left for five minutes. The screens show images of individual cubicles in the men's and women's sections with their own stink rating, allowing shoppers to take their pick. Um, which is great. And um, the, the user, one user, Fatboy Snail Noodles, the, the aforementioned, yeah. said, uh, asked, will this spy on you? Which is a whole other conversation. Toilets, uh, cameras and toilets. I think this is a brilliant idea. Huge waste of money. Huge waste of <laughs> electricity. Huge waste of well, everything. But what a great idea. Is, is it a waste of any of those things, though? Because if it improves your, um, your experience, plus... <clears throat> you won't need to waste time going in to cubicle and then immediately exiting it again. Um, we'll save time. Could have a big impact on the economy. I, uh, I mean, I'm in favour of toilet tech. Like, I think it was Sega came up with um, a game for. I, I was in Japan. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else yet, but. Mm. It was the idea where you basically it was in a, a, a urinal for for um, for 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 um, I was going to say ejections of the penis. Basically, if you're having a pee, um, it gamifies it, and you have leaderboards of like who uh, can yes. hit the target and so on and so forth, which I thought was quite a fun idea. Whereas with this, I just think use your nose. I mean, literally use your nose. Yes, no. but no one wants to use their nose, do they? That's the problem. Hmm. I think it could work the other way around. Do you remember that text I sent you the other day? Yes. Do you remember? Well, I mean, go on. It was the one that involved making eye contact with a cleaner and feeling a deep sense of yes. shame. Yeah, I remember well, that, yeah. I think it would work very well if you could have the opposite effect. That actually, if you are informed that the toilet that you are currently occupying is now the front runner in the horrendous aroma olympics um it it sort of shows you a live video feed of who's outside so you can make your escape quickly and surreptitiously <laughs> so as to not make eye contact with the next person uh, yes i mean i love that making their way into it, your cubicle because that is shame the, that cannot be erased it is and it also at the moment one has to use one's ears for that now if you're you know listening to a podcast or something whilst you go about your business um, you might miss out on that subtle audio cue. So for me, uh, I, I would say this sounds, I, I, I'm all for it. A little camera outside to see when it's quiet. Yeah. Make your escape. Yeah. Escape. Let is the, the toilet handle the, you know, stopping anyone else from wandering into your stink box. Yeah. And uh, yeah. This is the sounds kind of, this is the kind of innovation that 6G should be helping with. Like none of this cobalt. Absolutely, nonsense. this is this is this is the real activity, real human life improvement, and not even just yeah. humans. This could apply to animals too. Um, I think we've exhausted that for all it's worth. Ian's going to take the next story, but if you've got any thoughts on any of this, um, maybe you've amusing had a, toilet stories you'd like to share with us. Anonymous is fine. We will not read out your name unless you want us to. Um, and actually, if you have a story like that and you want us to read out your name, you're probably not the person we want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, hello at UKTechShow.com. Uh, I've never realised how old I'm getting before, but um, when I was at university, I wrote my dissertation on um 
digital sort of TV and, and compression and that kind of stuff. Um, so there was a time when I would consider myself a bit of an expert on this kind of stuff. But um, mm. the BBC is finally upgrading its regional news to high definition. Uh, the switchover is expected to be completed in early 2023. Uh, so people previously watching BBC One HD would need to switch their TV to the regional uh, channel to see their local news, or they would suffer a red box for the duration um, of the opt-out telling them to change channels. Uh, newer platforms like Skyglass and Virgin Media TV and BT's TV Box Pro are already apparently able to um, handle these regional variations. So I guess my Skyglass, if I watch... BBC One HD, I will see my local uh, news, in uh, either in upscaled SD or HD if it's available. Um, why hasn't it happened before? I, I hear you asking over the podcast airways. That's what I was asking um, you before we recorded. Oh, right. So it was actually just me remembering that you asked me why it hadn't happened. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, well, it's a bit it's a bit complicated. I think it must be mostly down to costs. So, for example, I mean, obviously, if you want to broadcast every regional variant in HD, there is a cost associated with that. It's a lot cheaper to do that in standard definition uh, because you're using up more uh, more bandwidth on the satellite, which obviously it doesn't come cheap. Uh, so, I presume that there's been a, a sort of a, a, a reason for that. There also might be some legacy thinkers where the BBC does opt-outs for regional news. And I believe, and I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like this is kind of a rarity in the world. So if you're watching um, the BBC One network, when it comes time for the regional news, if you were on an analogue standard definition over-the-air broadcast, your local network would be obvious obvious because it would be whatever signal you were getting so when the opt-out happens it could only come from one place with digital that becomes a bit more complicated and especially satellite which obviously has a national coverage it makes it more tricky but that said it is certainly possible because when you uh, set up your sky system you'll be asked for your postcode and then it will deliver you the correct region so i'm guessing that most of this must have been financial for 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 the reason it hasn't happened so far um broadcasting a lot of hd channels obviously is one thing having sets that are hd ready buying the equipment for every region to make it hd obviously isn't that cheap it's not just the studios you've got to make sure that all of the outside broadcast cameras that go out and record stories are also hd so that will have been quite an expensive process i guess and they may even have skipped uh, HD and gone straight for 4K, I guess, and then and then downscale it for broadcasts. But I couldn't say. But it does it does make one piece of sad news, uh, which is that it will mean that the standard definition satellite channels will be shut. Which means that if you're They're using BBC standard def BBC ones, presumably, yeah. So yes, exactly. So if you're using Sky Digital, like one of those original boxes from 2007 or whenever it was. Um, I think it was it too, no it was it earlier than it's that earlier than it? that it was, yeah it was 1999 or something Sky Digital launched or Sky um, Sky Plus ones or Sky Plus yeah those um, apparently have now reached small enough viewer numbers for uh, the switch off to be practical you have to remember when you talk about the BBC that there are rules in place that prohibit it from um, offering services to one platform that aren't available on another. So a lot of BBC innovation could be held back by the fact that if you can't do it on digital terrestrial, you also can't do it on digital satellite because that would be um, against the sort of spirit of the license fee arrangement. Um, so it, that does cause problems for the BBC. It's anyway, just amazing I, that we're at the, the, that we are getting to 
2023 when this is going to roll out you said in the spring yes and only in 2023 are we finally getting regional news in hd it yeah. just to me feels so old I, I i mean i just assumed all regional news was already broadcast in in hd it's it's just amazing to me that all this talk of 8k sports broadcasts and we're only just getting regional news about sunderland in hd i guess because it's not considered to be a priority I suppose um you know news in standard definition works just as well as news in high definition really yeah um you know that sure it looks a bit better but are you getting the story any better no ultimately you're not and and it's expensive and in some cases might require um, extra training and you know you've got to remember that when you're talking about local you know regional news you might be uh, relying on uh, satellite broadcast back to hq to um to broadcast it or it might have to be edited very quickly which is more difficult the more resolution you have you know True. you can't edit uh, a 4k video as quickly on an old computer as you can on a you know a, a, an hd one so it, it just the whole chain has to be upgraded um and that's very expensive and i guess you know when you're on a budget like the bbc is that probably wouldn't be your number one priority you'd rather have doctor who in hd something where it's actually sort of different and you can see it it's in 4k now brilliantly so doctor yeah who, yeah but the iplayer still for almost everything maxes out at 1080p which i think is a a huge disappointment it, it is but i will say this um iplayer works almost perfectly almost all of the time true um and it is cost effective i mean you know the bbc is not netflix it doesn't have revenue from 200 million subscribers <laughs> um you know it, it's it's more constrained than that um and yet iplayer works flawlessly you know and i have i have big problems with the iplayer picture quality i do think it's a bit cack um but even so, you know, the fact is that it's a very well-designed platform mm. um, and it's uh, it's kind of works well. If you compare and contrast to what was ITV Hub, um, oh, you God. will know. Exactly, exactly. It's not as easy as you think. I've had bowel infections more enjoyable than <laughs> sitting through ITV Hub or the old yeah. 4OD or whatever it used to be called. Oh, I mean, that's still quite bad. Um, yeah. But I will say it's very easy to block the adverts on 4OD. Or, oh really? All four or channel four one word from next. Do you year. um? Do you have? I was going to ask you about um. That was it. Sorry, I just slightly had a bit of a brain fart there. No, um, I know the feeling. To be do fair, do you? Do you? Yes. All right. Then Pretty much every minute of every day is a brain fart for me these days. Go on. Oh, okay. Um, the frame rate on iPlayer I noticed the other day seems to be higher than thirty frames. I think it might even be around the fifty mark. Well, there's no reason it couldn't be. I mean, t bearing in mind that the frame rate for this country is supposed to be 25 frames, 50 interlaced. So either it's 25 progressive or t or 50 interlaced. So that would still look the information. But that would look the same, whereas this looks like 50 progressive frames. Well, it my, might be 50 eye. progressive frames. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, the, things like news and such. Also, one of the big problems with broadcast is that it's very, very difficult to switch the frame rate on the fly. So a lot of the 
because uh, what you would get is when they change the frame rate, the TV would have to resynchronize, and that's considered to be unacceptable in broadcast terms. So instead, they tend to they tended to stick to one frame rate. When you're talking about iPlayer, if you've got a news broadcast that's being broadcast in 50p or sport, crucially, I know neither of us watch any sport, but sport, you want to be 50p if possible. There's no reason they couldn't do it on iPlayer. So I don't know if they do, but it's certainly possible. It doesn't have that resynchronization problem, I would imagine. I am I just did a quick Google because this is totally off the top of my head. Um, but uh, there's a story from last year on T3. Oh, the... I swear, right, I swear to God, I swear on my dog's life, I did not plan this, but the story I have found on T3 was written by you. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I'm putting that in the Discord. I Honestly, hand on my heart, I, and you all know how much I love my dog, um, I did not plan that. Um, and you, had, um... So you wrote, you wrote, um, that the BBC's R&D department has been testing out a 1080p 50 frame a se- frames a second video stream. So that's full HD with 50, 50 frames um, as part of an experiment. So yeah. they have been doing it. So I'm right. Do you see what I mean about a brain fart? Because I'd but... completely forgotten about that. I remember having the conversation with them, actually, <sighs> because that was where I was talking to them about because um, they said if if we decided that if everyone in the country simultaneously decided to switch from broadcast to on demand there was no way that there's enough bandwidth in the country to cope with it it would be absolutely impossible oh, they always um, say that, and that is that is that interview that that came out of because oh. i was trying to get something else i wanted to find out how much bandwidth had been used for the um olympics and they couldn't answer that question, mostly because there isn't really an answer to that question. It's extremely difficult to give a, a, an accurate figure about how much peak bandwidth is used at any one time because it, obviously the whole of the BBC is considered to be one thing and so specifying things is difficult. But anyway, I'm wow. glad I could provide uh, future me some context for something I did a year ago that's brilliant well i'm going to include the links to these stories at uktechshow.com look for episode 292 in the episode list and you'll find the links i'll also include a link to a bbc r&d post about high quality video streams um on the iplayer because i'm going to read this as soon as we finish recording so assume that it will be there and uh, and go and check that out but uh, how how interesting and what an unexpected twist of fate that something you wrote came back to haunters uh, but in a good way like uh, yes. casper the friendly ghost not not like the uh, the woman in the eponymous woman in black uh, which i read this week and was quite oh. disappointed by um if oh. you've got any views on uh, any of these things whether real or of the fantastical do let us know hello at uktechshow.com <laughs> I want to thank some patrons in addition Good. to everyone listening live we've got they we've got our, our thanks some regulars listening to us live charlotte's here john's here kate's here luna's here mike's here i'm here that's obvious nick's here rich and russ is here rich is here ian is also here as you, at least 50 percent here at least 50 percent. but which half 
it's up to you. But I also wanted to thank other patrons, including Tim, uh, David Owen, Bo Hansen, some new joiners to the club. Um, you can join them or indeed everyone listening live. Uh, get the full version of the show every week ad free. Join the live audience, which frankly, I think is one of the best things that exists in the world. And I'm including sliced bread in that. Um, but you can learn more about all the offerings, patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And if you are any of our patrons, you're hearing our longer version of the show. You're also going to hear our story now, all about the weirdest computer mice in history. Well, we've just had what I think Ian and I would say literally the best conversation anyone has ever had <laughs> about anything ever and it was to do with um, with with mice i think you've you've pushed it too far there because no one's going to believe that but if you were thinking about signing up for um <laughs> patreon to become a patron yeah i i would say that this could be the week to try it out that was that was because good. That was a good conversation. And I think last week's was pretty good too. We had some fun last week, didn't we? So uh, I don't remember if you've been mulling week. it over. Yeah. Would, I, don't sorry. Remember, I don't remember last week's conversation. Well, I remember last week's show being a bit of a mess. Because, well, not a mess as such, but it, we didn't have any news. Oh. So we were sort of all over the place. But I remember, I remember feeling quite good about the podcast last week. Yeah, um, I do. But considering that there was nothing to talk about, it went quite well. And so the same yes. is quite true of this week. But um, hopefully, either way, you have enjoyed it. And as Ian says, it would be great um, to get people as a patron. However, if you uh, are not in a position to do that or don't want to, please, it behooves all of us as friends of text message um, to go and leave reviews on Apple Podcasts uh, or anywhere that you're listening to podcasts because it would be fantastic to get some fresh blood into yeah. the uh, listener sphere. Um, Let's make us the number one tech podcast in the world. Mm. I don't know how we would do that. There's so many of them. We've been very high before now. Um, in well, the, charts, the algorithm weights new shows and a bit better, doesn't it? Like you know, It does. It's easy it's- to launch a podcast on Apple and be number one. Um, it's less easy to sustain that over a long period of time. Yeah, after eight years, you need quite a lot of positive reviews consistently coming in. So it would be great if uh, if you might uh, show us some love. We would certainly give thanks for that. And I think it is because of the US Thanksgiving that Tom Merritt hasn't sent us um, a promo for what's been happening on Daily Tech News Show this week. Um, but I can tell you what has been happening in uh, general. and um, And I'm not going to. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Ian, do you have anything you'd like to tease people with before I finish playing the outro music that has now just started? Um, no, I don't have anything to tease them with apart from to say, come next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.